Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on So, fellas, the big music news since the last time we did one of these was is, is the the passing of the the chief parrot himself, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Uh, which I honestly, he is from Mississippi. I think he went to school at Southern Miss from the coast. I knew about him growing up. I, I never was really a fan or really do- dove into his catalog past like margaritaville and cheeseburgers in paradise i think those are probably the only i may know other songs of his but if you ask me what jimmy buffett songs i do know it would be those two yeah same here i mean i think i may maybe one more the whatever the fins to the left fins to the right do you know that one anyone sounds familiar because aren't his fans called fin heads or something like it's a it's a parrot 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 heads heads. okay well there's yeah um (laughs) So yeah, I, I don't really know him well, but I mean, he seemed like he had a great life, great musician, did a lot with his like beach bum and a guitar and some margaritas. Oh, yeah. He lived the life. I mean, you know, he even died of skin cancer, so he was yeah. like the real deal. <laughs> Sung what he knew. Yeah, I think he was sober for a long time, but like I, I saw this one take on I don't know the internet somewhere, maybe maybe Twitter or X or whatever, uh, where they were just like Jimmy Buffett saying about being a fucking slob and not doing anything that was productive to society while maintaining a workaholics vibe and being one of the first musicians to start like a worldwide <laughs> corporate brand based off of their yeah, music. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he definitely did that. I, I had like one friend in high, in high school that was a big Jimmy Buffett fan and we were all just like, why? <laughs> it's just like, why? why? Yep. Isn't that for like 40 year olds who wear like shorts and I can sandals. So are you supposed to like it now? Now that doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, and I think even (laughs) in the 90s, like, it was for 40-year-olds way back then. Uh, You know, we're we're no spring chickens here at Pine Game Rock, (laughs) but I think that passed us by a little bit. I did go to Margaritaville in Jamaica, though, uh, on my senior cruise. Oh, nice. And it it had a water slide out of the bar. Has it been around that long? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, it probably started in the 90s wow, so, at some point. So he built it know? right after that song while it was still in its yeah. heyday, I guess. I always thought he did it after. I, well, I mean, he he was releasing music in the 70s. Like, yeah, that's yeah when I guess you're right. I thought yeah. all that stuff came out. Oh, yeah, so, I guess so. I mean, yeah. that's still yeah. that's just 15, 20 years later. I've only yeah, been right. to the one in Vegas. Did it recently come up? Did they go to Margaritaville on that show, Jury Duty? Oh, did they? <laughs> is there is there one in Los Angeles? <sighs> Like in the valley, because if it's if it's not in Los Angeles, then no. But I mean, I know they went to a bar in that show, but I thought it was a Margaritaville. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's funny. I never was too familiar with them until recently. I actually was jamming that song with Jonathan and got a newfound appreciation for how good of a song it actually is. Margaritaville, that is. Prior, I'd never really paid attention yeah, yeah. to it. You know, I'm like, that's that's a well, that's definitely a well-crafted song. It's a good one, and he definitely hit out of the park on that one. 
Not you know, not my style, but like I never like jam it, but still. You know, if I'm at a if I'm at a tiki bar in the Caribbean and it comes on, I'm not gonna be like turn this shit off right. and be like, let me get a margarita. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Maybe we'll do one of the one of his songs on here at some point. It would probably be guest um, <laughs> yeah. chosen. <laughs> I would say. And a uh, little little research. <laughs> yes, they did go to Margaritaville and Jerry Duty. <laughs> Did they? Oh, okay. Oh God. Well, Funny. I'm glad. I'm glad we confirmed that here. <laughs> I gave rock and roll to you, uh, but I, hey, we hope that uh, Jimmy Buffett is enjoying a cheeseburger in paradise as as we as we speak. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I had no idea if you guys had a relationship with him or not. I was like, I don't, I don't really have much to say about it, but I feel like it's like the biggest story in music in the last two weeks. And it's just like, really, he was whatever. I mean, I guess he toured. Yeah his whole life like the dead and shit like he had a, a legit fan base that would kind of follow him around and stuff yeah man oh yeah he's got rabbit fans for sure um lot scene <laughs> i had a question for you guys um just neil i don't think we've discussed this before but it would be and i don't know how you categorize this i'm gonna let you guys categorize it however you want but like growing up and getting into rock and roll like when what, what do you remember like the first like indie rock band that you got into that maybe your friends didn't know about and you introduced to some people yeah i I feel like i wasn't into too much indie in the 90s i mean it was different back then it was what was indie like you just said i mean everything you saw was either from the radio or mtv you know i i remember buying um the breeders album i don't know if you'd classify that as indie back in the day but their song cannonball was big on mtv and I think I don't really know them, so yeah. Later but, on, I mean, would you classify the Flaming Lips as indie? I think the Breeders and the Flaming Lips would have been considered indie. Yeah, those are probably the ones. I mean, Aaron, do you remember uh, back in yeah. Frostburg? Did we listen to any indie bands? <laughs> Not really, honestly. I don't think so. Uh, if I had to pick one that I guess is indie but isn't really, it's probably REM. I'd listen to it in high school somewhat. Because they, you know, they're popular. And yeah. I li- like you know, kind of liking some of their songs. Mm-hmm. I guess they're indie. So, but you know, by the time I heard them, they're, they're, I'm pretty sure they were out of the major label by then. So, whatever indie means, then yeah, know, I guess by then indie was sort of the sound, right? Yeah. So at that point, we're talking it's about funny. That, um, I, I would say if you found REM like before, what was the big one? Automatic for the people was that the yeah. huge one? Yeah, yeah. And then, then probably you could be like, oh yeah, I knew about those guys. Yeah. Well, were, like, I remember. Yeah. Um, when I was like, in, I was in fifth grade, maybe, and um, a kid who lived on my block gave me the cassette Green REM, and he's like, "This is good mm. shit right here." So I, that was just—I mean, nice. fifth grade—that was so <laughs> long ago. That was crazy. That was before. Yeah, I that's early. That is that is yeah. very early. Yeah, yeah. That that would be your first d- dabble with uh, with indie music. Yeah, I mean, I probably didn't get into anything. I mean, like. I, and this is just me, like, in Mississippi, like, I read an article about OK Computer, but, like, people, you know, I'd already heard the Benz plenty plenty of times, but I thought I was the only one who knew about that record, OK Computer, for some reason, because none of my friends were listening to it. But I would say, I mean, the first band that I, and these this wasn't even indie, but it was just a band that I discovered before any of my friends would be, be the Kings Leon. Like, after the, I bought their first record right after it came out. I loved it. I've introduced it to all my friends in college and back home, and they all fucking loved it. And we all got into them nice. uh, for the time, for you know, a, a significant amount of time. 
but nothing. That was one of the bands college. I thought of. One of the bands I thought of uh, was Kings of Leon, but I wasn't really sure if they made the list. But I guess they kind of do. Yeah, I mean, they're probably more straight ahead rock ish, though, right? But yeah, and they did a full full turn from indie to not. That's indie. true. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> they went they went indie to like success, like straight into yeah. adult <laughs> rock rock. Hey man, that sounds like a good road. <laughs> it's good for I, would, them, I, would, sure. I would take it. it, was, it <laughs> well, on that note, let, let's get into it. You were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and we're talking about indie bands because uh, this week we are finally talking about the replacements and their song Can't Hardly Wait from their 1987 album Please to Meet Me, written by Paul Westerberg and produced by Jim Dickinson and released on Sire. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've thrown this out as a song choice for, I don't know, almost a year now. And every time either you or the guest is like, eh, I don't, I don't want to do the replacements. Or, you know, no, nah, do something else. Or just wanted to do one of the other ones that I, that I said. So I'm happy that I finally was just like, no, I want to do this song. Um, I probably first heard this song when the movie came out that was named after it. And it was like a a high school going into college movie called Can't Hardly Wait when I was, I don't know, 15. It still holds up. Me and my girlfriend watched it in the last year. But and it plays over the end credits. And uh, I I was like, oh, my God, I love this song. And so I downloaded it, did not pay attention to, like, who the band was or anything like that, and and just listened to it a good bit at that time. Um, and then I got into this band pretty heavily uh, after college. I'm pretty sure some people uh, I worked with at the rock club I worked at in Boston were, were super into these guys. And so I listened to a few of the albums and then realized, oh, my God, they did this song. And I was like, loved it again. And then Justin Towns Earl did a really good cover on it uh, on an album that I love of his. And so this is like the fourth time I'm revisiting this song. And every time I feel like I like it uh, more and more, even though I've loved it since I, I first heard it. You know, I mean, I think from an, like an indie rock perspective, if you want to say that that's what this is, uh, this is as good a pop song you're going to find for, for that type of music in any era, I think. It, it, every part, you know, just kind of breathes in the production and, and sticks out on different listens for me you know i mean you got that chunky heavy bass you got like his almost like hungover sounding vocal um you got alex chilton from big star ripping some like nugget guitar licks in there every now and then and you know the the horns are just fantastic if you know this band that's not something that you ever hear with them so that it's just like a nice addition it adds some soul to it and then the lyric is very singable. It's very affecting. You know, I, I can't hardly wait to talk about this song <laughs> with you guys. I wasn't too familiar with uh, the replacements. In my mind's ear, I sort of, for some reason, thought they were akin to like the Smiths or something. I don't know why. Um, wasn't that familiar with them? Um, but yeah, when I listened to the song, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, it was cool because it's sort of not so unconventional, conventional enough of a format where it's like the chorus isn't really till the end of the song. You know, like the, the main lyric doesn't even have, it only happens once at the end, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And it's still catchy enough. You want to hear it, you know, which I think is cool. And then, you know, the lyrically, I really like how it's like very visual, you know, to kind of like you kind of follow what he's saying and then it kind of just left turns, you know, and you're like, oh, it's just a picture, you know. 
His delivery is awesome. Yep. I, mean, I love his vocal. Uh, you know, again, I wasn't familiar with him, but I really like his vocal. It's just like it has that authentic rock vibe. You know, they can kind of sing. It's one of those. It's like yeah, tone and vibe is like carries carries the thing. You know, and uh, yeah, uh, arrangement wise, it's cool. Um, it's you know, I, I was like starting messing with it. You know, just it's cool how simple simplistic it is, but it's kind of an unconventional sort of riff. You know. Not like regular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I really liked it. Yeah. I was, I was surprised by what it was. I thought it was going to be more like emo I don't know why. I had that in my mind of what they were like. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> the replacements, I just pictured them being that way. But yeah. Love it. Okay. Okay. I really didn't know this song. Um, I think that's probably why I may have picked the other songs, Josh, throughout the, the times you've brought this up. And I'm sure <laughs> I've heard it along the way, but. Um, it was super great to dig into it. I was like, God, where the fuck has this been? That's um, how I felt too, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's because it's it's right up my alley. It's so good. It, it's very authentic. Like I think that's one of the things that catches your ear, just the, the vocal delivery. You, you can tell they weren't trying to write this catchy of a song. It just kind of just kind of happened. I mean, that's the kind of band they are. I don't think they were really trying to write. Obviously, they were trying to write good music, but... This one comes off um, super catchy. It's got a lot of attitude. I mean, yeah, his vocal delivery is a big part of it. He, Yeah, he sounds hungover. He almost sounds mm-hmm. British, but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of <laughs> tough to put your finger on what makes this so cool. It's like an ultimate, the summer, sum is greater than its parts. Like, the riff's cool, but it's nothing groundbreaking, like... I don't know, just the, the horns and all the little pieces, you put them all together and it's this really cool song. And arguably, yeah, he ends with saying can't hardly wait, but it's not even a chorus. Like there's no chorus. It's just, it's yeah, true. It's, it's just outro. a song. Yeah. It's just whatever he was feeling that day or whatever, throw in a little riff, some horns and, uh, you know, some uh, authenticity and you got yourself a hit. like the alternate take which is kind of i think the first one he wrote this song and then they played it over and over and over for their previous album they were going to do it on i think tim was their previous album and they just were like tired of it and they didn't like the recording of it and they were just like fuck this song and then when they did please to meet me i'm pretty sure he added the first verse because if you listen to alternate takes he starts from the second verse Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like he's just, his voice is just already, you know, three sheets to the wind. He's like, <laughs> well, you know, so <laughs> wasn't it completely different? He rewrote it. It used to be, I'll be sad in heaven if I don't find a hole in the gate. Yeah. Oh, really? Climb to the top of this scummy yeah. water tower screaming. I kind of dove in because I really liked the song so much. Um, it was cool to, you know, learn about these guys in this song specifically. Um and I, I I know why they didn't like the first version. It wasn't. It's not as good. <laughs> <laughs> this song is an outlier. Whether they have the horns and strings in there or not, it doesn't fit into their kind of pop mix with classic rock sensibility, Midwestern sensibility that really does have like the raw, emotive, don't give a fuck affectation. I think taking this to Memphis, if you listen to the rest of this album too, it's almost like a an ode to they were big fans of big star alex chilton was the guy from big star alex chilton most people don't know big star they were kind of an indie band before these guys 
mm-hmm. but Alex Chilton at like 17 was a, like a Memphis phenom vocalist that is the vocalist on that song. It's like, give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Oh, cool. Ain't got time. Like it sounds like a 50 year old man. Um, yeah. Y'all know that song, right? Mm-hmm. Lonely days yeah. are gone. The one I'm Joe Cocker did. Home. My baby just wrote me yeah. a letter. Yeah, but originally it's like a Memphis soul song that this okay. like 16 oh, cool. or 17-year-old white kid sang on. And then he started this band called Big Star, which if you ever watched the 70s show, that opening track is a Big Star uh, song. Oh, okay. um, so, and and what's good, another cool thing about this is they have him play like when you, that one little ripping guitar lick that kind of comes in out of nowhere is Alex Chilton's playing the guitar on the song. He's not in their band, but they went and got Jim Dickinson to produce this. And I do feel like he probably brought in a lot of that. Um, Cause Dickinson, Aaron, do you know anything about him? Not too much. No, honestly, I'm not too familiar with him. Well, so he's like a guy that which had, was just in the Memphis scene. Uh, Ardent studios is kind of a famous studio in Memphis he was mm-hmm. there from like the early '60s. He was a member of the Dixie Flyers, who were like the you know the other Muscle Shoals band around. Like Jerry Wexler went to them after he fell out with the Muscle Shoals guy. Uh, he started a band called uh, Mud Boy and the Neutrons, <laughs> and <laughs> I think you're just he, making shit up right now. Blue Star, no, no. okay. He also, he also he plays the piano. <laughs> yeah, Mud Boy. But he plays the piano on Wild Horses as oh, well, cool. uh, the Rolling Stones nice. uh, version. And his two sons have a band called the North Mississippi All Stars, who I, you know, were oh, really yeah. big when I was I growing up. That yeah, um, yeah. I know and that. so I, I just Very think cool. that like he kind of brought a, a certain sensibility because I do think if you listen to this and you hear the horns and the string section, like you're like this sounds out of place, but it it adds so much to the song. So much, and yeah. And really dials down. It, it, it works kind of counteract the raw emotion of his voice that is ma- made for just kind of that punk rock, classic rock kind of style. And it, it, this just kind of softens the edges a little bit to make this little pop gem, in my opinion. Yeah, I was gonna say the little bit I was familiar, you know, familiar with him was just after listening to this, and it seemed like this definitely took him out of that punk sort of space to the more rock space to like something else, you know. So I w- I'm wondering if this maybe, you know, how was this received? You know, I wonder if their their audience was into this or if this was something that took a more mainstream. Seems to be like that's the curse for a lot of indie is like when they, you know, go away from that sort of vibe. Yeah, this this had like more I think more of a life after okay. the fact. You know, I I think there's another song on the album actually called Alex Chilton that's that's a really good song as well. Um, that was probably the one that was hailed as like, oh, this is the replacements, you know, sound. Whereas this was kind of like, huh, it's also the yeah, last but song I think, on the album. I think back in the day, like the horns are have like a, a ska kind of quality to them. It still has like a punk kind of quality to it. You know, it's not like um, I didn't read much on it, but I, I think this was I mean, people people dug it. I mean, it's one of their their best tunes. It feels more pop. That's why I love this song so much, because when you get into them, if you like that sound and then you hear this, it's basically taking that sound into the the pop realm, and it, it's just so simple. And if you talk about the lyric, 
is not that many words. I, like you said, Aaron, I love the fact that the, you're anticipating the the outro the whole time. I mean, they really do a great job as well, production and lyrically yeah. and melodically getting to that. You know, they'd have the stop and then they just go back into the chorus after that first pre-chorus and then or then they go back into mm-hmm. the verse after that first pre-chorus. And then but then the second time they go into this and you're just like, oh, man, just a perfect way. It's a, it's a short song. The, the riff is so simple, but and just is the bones of the song, carries the song. It doesn't get repetitive. To me, I don't feel like it gets repetitive by the end. I'm not like, oh, God, I'm tired of hearing that riff. I think it's also because it sounds like there's two guitars. Like, it's harmonized a little bit at some parts. Yeah, it's a bit harmonized. Um, And then, yeah, it's harmonized and the way they use the stops and the horns. Like, it really just, it'll stop, and then you almost want it to come back in. You're like, give me that shit again. You know, like... Even though the subject matter is is very strange, it's a very uplifting sound. Yeah, it is. And then that one change is really cool. I was messing with it because it's like a one, two, four, and at one point it goes to the six, and it just has such a cool shift. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it just feels so good when it goes to that because they could you know kept, kept cut the same chords and you know sort of st- still worked. But as a little things, yeah, I wonder how much of that was you know mm-hmm. in the production part of that was it was you know originally in the song, but that that was a cool. Flip. I think that's the thing, you know, enough of it changes, well, even though it's simple, but enough of it's changing. It's sort of actually kind of like in the Post Malone song, even that's more like sonically, it's ear candies changing and things are happening where this is like it, enough of it's changing or you know, the, riff, the riff changes, you know, it starts with the one guitar, then they're harmonizing and then it kind of changes, but it's underlying there. It's like the suspended thing they're doing kind of stays, but it's changing the whole time, you know? Yeah. Speaking of the, the horns real quick, wasn't the, the singer completely opposed to it and he finally got strong armed into it? He was, and he even, it, well, he, but at the end, he was just like, he was okay with the horns. He was still not okay with the strings. He was like, this is, his quote was something along the lines of, this is the replacements trying to do a pop song from 68 with this fucking string section. Funny. Yeah, I think that's just self-deprecating. Like, sounds good, man. Probably. <laughs> we, we should say, though, that the, the, the singer is uh, Paul Westerberg, who wrote the song. He, he's doing lead background He's playing a six-string bass on this song, and he's playing the harmonica. Tommy mm. Stinson is also playing bass, uh, acoustic guitar, and guitar fills. Uh, Chris Mars, drums, background vocals. Jim Dickinson, the producer, is also playing keys, uh, credited as East Memphis Slim. Alex Chilton on the guitar fills. Max Holes on the string strings. They took him from Memphis State University. I guess he was like the band mm. director there. And then they had the Memphis horns uh, made up of Andrew Love on tenor sax and Ben Cauley uh, on trumpet. I mean, another thing that stands out, and it kind of stands out on a lot of these guys' stuff, is the bass is like, it, when the when the riff comes in and that bass comes in with it, it is well, so heavy. I was just going to say, yeah. the six-string bass makes sense because there's lower notes. Yeah, there's definitely. like a fucking that's real low string so. there. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to know because I, I definitely had that written down i mean the the bass really comes in with a with the thunder yeah it, it's kind of weird it's kind of jarring a little bit at first and then just immediately goes into like you're just like oh yeah of course of course this fits together perfectly and then just to touch get into the lyric a little bit i mean yes i walk away from the song with the riff but i also walk away and i just throughout my life is i love the first two lines of the song i write I'll write you a letter tomorrow, uh, tonight, I can't hold a pen. It's just, 
an amazing way to start off a song. You yeah, know? yeah, it is great. I mean, I like the second verse a little better. I mean, just the Jesus rides beside me, but he never oh, buys smokes. It's just <laughs> fucking amazing. They both are so good. <laughs> and he smokes. Well, and his vocal in that section where he's like, and he smokes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, yeah, you're smoking a lot, my man. Uh, well, you know, it makes me wonder I wonder how many songs, you know, are lost stages now because no one's going to be talking about writing letters or like sending stuff in the mail or like, you know, it's like things vanish mm-hmm. in the, you know, in the technology part of it somehow. In the ether, yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound yeah. as cool when you're talking about it. Like, like, I'll text yeah, you exactly. a <laughs> message tomorrow. And you guarantee to get it. you tomorrow. <laughs> There's no way you're going to miss it. I'll slide into your Because he even talks about, you know, I won't mess up the address again, you know. I won't blow the address again, whatever he says. got a stamp that i can borrow i mean it just it sounds like somebody so desperate and down on their luck but also there's like it's there's a hopeful element to it that is yeah um i don't know if it's delusional yeah. but it's, no, it's, it feels it's like very... he's like you know so... total shithead or just like doesn't have it together he's trying like i swear i'll get a hold of you <laughs> originally this song was like about suicide right that's what i read um no 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 so they had a song on that album on this no, album called well... the ledge that yeah, no. that is about suicide and they they would not release the music video so when they re-released this album remaster in 2020 they made a video from the footage for the ledge yes i know that but i read that i mean if you read the original lyrics i'll be sad in heaven if i don't find a hole in the gate climb to the top of this scummy water tower screaming like it hmm. definitely seems like it was as well <laughs> Uh, that sounds um, well. You know, and to change it you up, only, you're allowed one suicide song per album. <laughs> he rewrote the first verse, like hungover, yeah. like a Holiday Inn or something. I think that was the story. Yeah. Even like the lights coming through the drapes, like he's basically just like, oh God, I need some lyrics. I'll fucking I'll write tomorrow. Someone got a stamp. Like it's just real <laughs> quick. You like you know, I was talking to or speaking to that authenticity. It just sounds like it just came out real quick. But if if you think about it, if the song was about suicide, because, I mean, the rest of the lyric after that first line is like, you know, pretty dark, you know, lights that flash in the evening through a crack in the drapes. That doesn't that's that's not sexy. That's very, like, depressing and and lonely. But you have that one line. I'll write you tomorrow that that's all the glint of hope you get. And then by the end, he's like, I can't hardly wait, which maybe before he couldn't hardly wait to kill himself. But now he can't hardly wait to write that letter. So it's just one simple thing that changes. It actually could be both, which is pretty cool. In the original as well, um, it was uh, hurry up, hurry up. I've had enough of this stuff. Um, Yeah, it's actually kind of dark if you think about it. Because Jesus right beside me, uh, he never buys any smokes. Hurry up, hurry up. And you had enough of this stuff. Like Jesus is like egging you on. (laughs) Ashtrays, floors, dirty clothes, (laughs) filthy jokes. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty dark. It's, it's another one of those songs that's very dark in the lyrics, but like yeah. I find so uplifting. Yeah. It's funny. But the other thing, and I don't know if this is a production thing or just a decision uh, of his to, to hit it, but that hurry up part when he does that, hurry up, hurry that's up. That's so good. Ain't you had enough of this well, stuff? It's- at first, before I read the lyrics, I thought he said Gloria, because it's just the way he does it. <laughs> Gloria, Gloria. Yeah, it totally could be. Ain't you had a tender?
you know, I guess that the way they do it online is like it's a verse, a bridge. There's two bridges, and then the chorus at the end. But you do get to that end, and and just I think that's where his delivery probably shines the most. Of and he just pounds you mm-hmm. with it over and over and over. You know, probably ten times, and his voice just keeps that raw emotion that really gives this song something that a lot of pop songs doesn't have, which is like an edge yeah. to it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it does at the end, but the whole time. I mean, my favorite part is the lights flash in the evening. Just the way the evening. It's great. <laughs> well, it's like there's like a contrast. Like we did a Billy Idol song, and I love Billy Idol, but like you can almost tell that's an affect. Like he's he's doing like he's the attitude is is a show, right? It, right. It's, oh, it's, it's definitely a show. This is not like this. Just feels like raw emotion coming out of this guy's. Yeah, for gut, sure. You know. Well, I don't know. I think there's a little bit because, like, like I even said, he sounds like he's trying to sound like the Clash, right? You are la- tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're right. That little bit of like the British edge. La- <laughs> Unless you're singing country music, then everybody has an affect. Every single one of the <laughs> you could be from uh, Australia, I'm... so like you. That is fair. That that is fair. <laughs> favorite part of this song i mean probably the songwriting honestly i think just how it's like so visual and like unexpected you know and i love how that main part comes in at the end that's like and it only happens then you know and then he like you said he just beats you over the head with it keep that in the vocal delivery i love the production too but i feel like you know just that just how simple it is but it's so i don't know like when i first started listening to lyrics you know you listen the first time just to get a overall feel and i started paying attention to lyrics and i like i felt like i knew what it was telling me and then it kind of went left more like visual you know but then after we analyze it, it's kind of cool because you're right so it's yeah. sort of like is it suicide or is it not and then it's like can't really wait is that hope or is that despair like i can't tell which just makes it even cooler sort of mm-hmm. like a deeper kind of thing yeah yeah absolutely now i was trying to think today can you think of any other songs off the top of your head that do that where they wait neil i feel like we've done one or two of these where they wait till the end to give you the i know it- chorus but it's really just yeah. Kind we of just an did one recently, but I'm not. I know sure. it happens. For, I mean, it's that you know, it's not that uncommon, but but yeah, it's not. You know, it's just not the typical verse chorus thing where you know. And if anything, I, that to me that feels like the chorus, especially probably maybe because it repeats it so much, you know. But it's you know, conventionally speaking, it's not really the chorus. It's just like you said, it's an outro. It's interesting because he repeats the lights flash, but that doesn't feel like the chorus really. Yeah, it's almost something that when you leave the song, you feel like it happened more than once. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, didn't wasn't "Don't Stop Believing." Yeah, that's yep. That's a pretty great yes, example of it. That was the one we did. Absolutely. Recently. Yeah. That, that course, and it doesn't come in. It takes like five minutes to come in too. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's, it's basically exactly like "Don't Stop Believing." Yeah. <laughs> that is what I was looking for. I knew I was like, man, we did something recently. Uh, Neil, what about you? What's your favorite p- part of the song? Um, well, I love the the lights flash in the evening, but I think my favorite part is. Um, Right at the end, right, just setting up the chorus. Um, I'll be home when I'm sleeping. Just the way the music drops out, sleeping. Yeah. You know, it goes right into that. I can't hardly I wait. It's great. Hardly wait. And that hard stop there yeah. is just perfect. It mm-hmm. almost feels like they wait an extra bar during that stop from the earlier one. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of starts off and you're like, and you're right, God, I never realized 
that it's there's some there's a sky element there like yeah <laughs> like because of the horns yeah yeah there certainly is oh, yeah. good lord you can Sneak see well, out there dancing <laughs> sneaky sky okay well that that means it's time sneaky sky means it's time to uh to to get to the vibe time section of this podcast so aaron you get to bring us in once again to the vibe time portion of the pod in three two one It's the first like eight notes. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what amazing. was that? It's the first eight um, notes of um, uh, Miles Davis <laughs> solo on one of those songs that kind of blew, but super flat. Nice. <laughs> Some flat Miles Davis. That's great. Oh, uh, okay. This is my song. So this is legit one of the songs I could hear anytime. But it's for me. It's like a getting ready. I know we talked about despair or hope, but this is like a getting ready for a fun night. Like whether I'm getting dressed or right when I get in the car and it comes on, that's that's the perfect time to, for me to hear this song. Like just something with expectations, I feel like. Take it. Definitely has a party vibe, even though, you know, now that we did the, a super analysis on the, on the lyrics, they feel darker, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. I think that, yeah, the anticipation, you know, waiting for the night out. That feels can't hardly yeah, wait. Can't hardly yeah. wait. <laughs> Teenage um, FOMO. <laughs> oh yes, it, it, it really is. If you think about it, a really good teenage song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like for like sixteen to eighteen, because there's a lot of anticipation for a lot of different yeah. things at that. And age. that's why they made a whole movie based on <laughs> the title. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Neil, when do you want to hear this? Um. Well, I I I do love it, and it's it's really cool that uh. It's, I feel like it's such a cool song that I never really had any relationship with. So it's my new favorite jukebox song, if it's on the jukebox. Or in the same vein, like, dude, do you know this one? <laughs> you know, just like cool. kind of comparing <laughs> tunes. <laughs> and Josh, to what you were saying and both of you guys, just the way it's kind of uh, uplifting, getting ready. I think it'd be a good day starter with some coffee. Hmm. Like it's just, it's, I mean, just kind of the way yeah. it is kind of like kind of has a cool groove to it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever put it on while making coffee, but the idea of it sounds cool. <laughs> that sounds very fitting. I mean, you're making coffee in the morning and talking about Jesus not buying any smokes. It's going to make you want to smoke, man. Watch it. Uh, speaking <laughs> of uh, jukebox songs, why don't we slide under the influence and talk about the influences you hear in this or moving forward. Neil, why don't you go on this one? I when I first listened to it, I definitely heard some Springsteen, and in the same vein of like Eddie and the Cruisers as well. It kind of has that '80s kind of like um, leather jacket swagger to it. Yeah, I already already mentioned the Clash. Uh, I think it has a Violent Femmes kind of sound, and then um, moving forward, I think it has a Spoon kind of sound to it. Just I think I feel like Spoon is a very similar band. And I feel like uh, it had an effect on an artist named Josh Bond. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's good. Britt Daniels' vocal for sure uh, has a similar mm-hmm. uh, emotion, emotional affect to it. Um, I would add yeah. to that. You know, I, we mentioned Big Star earlier. Obviously, had a huge role in this. I do think you can hear some Memphis soul in this. You know, based on 
all of the producer and the musicians that played with them and them recording at Art in Memphis. Uh, and then I would say moving forward, I mean, Wilco is is very, mm-hmm. a lot of Wilco mm-hmm. songs. I, I hear this uh, influence on. Aaron, Aaron, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, when I first heard it, being not too familiar with it, I definitely got sort of Springsteen-ish vibes, like, you know, working class, like, hero sort of feel from it. Yeah, and going forward, I think Wilco is pretty much it, you know, it's very much that that vein. Like, and, you know, I feel like, I don't know, production-wise, it's like, it feels like sort of like an 80s version of Wall of Sound, even though it wasn't, and I might, you know, it's possibly the bass might have even been doubled, so it's like, a, you know, it's a cool, like, some, some of a throwback, but... For me, it was just such a different sound from what I was expecting, you know. But yeah, I think, yeah, going forward for sure, Wilco actually nailed it on that one. Yeah. And, you know, these guys were, uh, can, you know, contemporaries with Husker, Husker, is it Husker Du or Husker Du? I think it's Dealer's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> they were both kind of bar bands in Minneapolis. At oh, the time, okay. You know, when they were both coming up, they both formed huh. in Minneapolis, kind of the same era. I thought Husker Du was from like, Germany or something. <laughs> I don't know. You would think with that name, but no, my friend. Yeah, yeah I remember my aunt um, giving me a Husker Du, Husker Du, whatever album way back in the day on CD. <laughs> it didn't stick. <laughs> it like, didn't stick. Thanks. Well, speaking of Husker Du and sticking, I think that means it's time to slide <laughs> under the covers and talk about the covers of the song. Sticky oh. Husker Du. Sticky Husker <laughs> Du. It's time to get on the covers. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, did you listen to any cover songs? I wasn't able to find any great ones. I found, I don't know why, when I was looking for, I found mostly like randos sort of, you know, so nothing nothing that stuck out to me that I was really impressed by, yeah. honestly. I feel like, I don't know if you guys found a lot, it seems like it was pretty sparse. I, I mean, they're, they're, as I mentioned in the beginning, there's a Justin Towns Earl has a cover of it that's just kind of like a slow down, acoustic lazier country style that i really like and it, it really mm-hmm. lends itself you know I mean, he, he definitely gets the vibe of the song uh right it's probably a little more sad despair than hopeful but i, I still mm. enjoy listening to it yeah i mean the justin towns earl i thought maybe josh this is how you found this song because i knew you loved that album um oh yeah but it, yeah, it was cool. Um, I listened to all their different versions. The Tim version, no thanks. Um, there's a there's a cello version they do that's mostly acoustic, which is strange. Really cool. I don't know if anyone heard yeah. that. Cool. I did. Um, I did. And th- then there was an artist named Michael Cronin that did like a slowed down version that I thought was pretty fucking cool. Hmm. I didn't like it. To each their own. I thought it was cool. <laughs> And but everyone does like the chainsaw swagger voice. Like anyone who covers it is just like, just really digs into that vocal perform- performance. Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine it another way. Yeah. Well, the Cronin version to me was too slow. It yeah, but at least he did something energy. different. Like I, I felt yes. like it was authentic because it was like it wasn't just like a straight up cover. At least put some some thought or something different into it. Did you hear the Jimmy Iovine? Uh, remix? I think maybe because that was like the remaster from 2008, right? No, no. They, he did a completely different like remix mm. of the song. No, oh, and I, didn't. I didn't find that either. He makes it a little more raw. It, it, there's less of the the bells and whistles and more of the other stuff is kind of up in there. What year did he I do mean, that? I mean, it's not that bad. Refugee but in I, there? 
I think he did it when they when they remastered oh, okay. it. I'm just curious if that because it's kind of like a uh, let it be ago. naked sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, but I prefer the original a hundred percent. Speaking of let it be, I love they had the balls. To I was about to say that's pretty be. bold. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 probably their best album. Is it? Okay. Um, cool. Uh, speaking of letting it be, I think that's that's time that we go to the shoe fitting portion of this podcast. And so I'm going to get us started uh, since it's my song. I, I'm going to say this fits like uh, I'm going to stick with my vibe and go that this fits like a pair of uh, dress shoes that I just got shined, you know, to impress someone. Uh, maybe there's some cigarette ash that's fallen on them post <laughs> post shine uh, as I wait for uh, for what's coming. Nice. Aaron, 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 what you got? Um, I'm gonna have to go. Actually, similar, but I guess I'm sort of ripping it from the video, right? Out of video, just like old ass loafers that are like used to be like you know fancy pair of shoes, and now you just kind of wear them with like jeans, and they're all like torn up. Suicide yeah, loafers. loafers. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole video is like them just standing, you know, in poses and you see shoes, and but that's that that you mm-hmm. know, worn out. Oh vibe. yeah, that that black and white, that black and white late '80s yeah. vibe mm-hmm. is just. <laughs> oozing neil what about you um yeah fits uh fits like a pair of shoes i didn't know i needed but now that i have them uh. i look for any opportunity to wear them um <laughs> they're, they're shoes that i wouldn't be careful with like go anywhere do anything get them dirty they're gonna end up on the ashtray floor next to the dirty clothes <laughs> oh boom <laughs> nice. all right i like it full circle uh okay well on that <laughs> on that note uh our cover of The replacements can't hardly wait.
can't wait Hardly wait I can't wait Hardly wait I can't wait Hardly wait I can't wait Hardly The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at PodGaveRock. Next week is our guest Aaron's week. So, Aaron, what will we be discussing? Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, another artist out of Minneapolis, uh, well-known uh, Mr. Prince otherwise known as an unpronounceable symbol, insert there. <laughs> uh, but I, I was uh, excited to talk about his cover, well, not a cover, so he wrote the song, uh, I Feel For You, which uh, Shaka Khan released, and he released in the full produced version, but I want to specifically talk about his acoustic uh, version of it that came out, I think, posthumously um, a few years back. Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs>